0: Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's show, The Coaching Dilemma, Part 2. Here we go.
1: And we're not done. Yeah, there's more, right? And I know this is hard for people. It's like, okay, we've got to understand these things. I'll tell you what manager said, and, and this, was, this was not mentioned in the recent conference I've alluded to, but it was about a year ago. Somebody said, Mark, that's not fair. And folks, uh, I'm going to say this. I've alluded to it before. Probably get some mail, and that's okay. We respect that. Uh, the idea of fairness is a false standard for this situation. Fairness is often brought up. It's, it's only fair to spend some extra time with Delta. And by the way, I, we want you to spend time with Delta and we'll come to that. But the idea that you're going to spend extra time with Delta because he's failing is a false application of fairness. Now, look, folks, we love fairness. Mike and I love fairness. We agree with fairness as a general societal idea. No one should be treated unfairly. But the problem, the problem is not the idea. How can, how can we argue with being fair? The problem is misapplication. And frankly, you you could have long arguments about societally what what actually is fair. That ends up being in the political arena. And and whenever I hear a politician say, well, it's just fair, they're not willing to reason out their logic, reason out their argument. They just want – they want to align themselves with a universally respected moral idea, which is fairness.
0: Yeah. So, it reminds me of of, of a joke a friend shared with me one time about the father – who had a daughter at college, and when growing up, the daughter was always, "Hey, we need to, we we need to give things away. We need to help people. It's only fair to help the needy." It's only et cetera, fair. Et cetera, right. We're richly endowed. We're richly fairness would suggest we, we give, give it away. Who are not? Yeah. It's only fair. Yeah, and right, and the, and, and the kid comes back from from college and is, is talking about how great she's doing. Right, she's got straight A's, but she's getting it because she's busting her ass. Right, she's studying right. every weekend. She's not out partying, and she starts complaining about her friend, right, and her her roommate, and her roommate's partying. Not doing well, right? Cs and Ds, right? And the father goes, "Well, why aren't you spreading the wealth? Why aren't you giving some of your good grades to your to your uh, to your friend?" She goes, "Well, that wouldn't be fair. I'm busting my ass." Well, <laughs> that's exactly how the high it, the, the 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 alphas are thinking about the time you spend with the deltas. Here I am. I'm busting my ass. I'm getting good results. I'm doing stuff with the business. And where are you going to spend all your time? Yeah. With the guy who's not. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, the D may think it's fair to to spend time with the D, but I have to tell you what, the A doesn't think it's fair. And that goes the whole point of the, this is just a false application of fairness. It's not fair. Yeah, and I can is. make an argument it's totally unfair to spend time right. with the D.
1: Yeah. I, w- w- what I would say about it is fairness to me is treating each person with respect, dignity, kindness, uh, mercy if someone needs mercy in the workplace those societally higher values that are so important that bind us all together. The things that are alike about us are greater than the things that are different about us. That's, that's always been true about mankind. And I think I read something recently that every human being, 96% of our genome is the same. Um, it's only 4% that's different. But those are the things that go to the general workplace comportment and so on. And being truthful and being kind and so on and trying to be fair. But individual decisions about resource application, it's very hard to attempt to apply fairness without creating metrics and so on. And then you get into arguments about fairness as opposed to profitability and all those kind of things. But look, usually, folks, fairness is the object of rules we create. To make a game fair, we create rules to govern it. But the idea of fairness in management would suggest rules to cause managers to treat everyone the same. But look, one of the things that I feel very strongly about here at Manager Tools is a fundamental guiding principle is that everybody's different. This is a world of diversity. We believe in behavioral diversity. We believe in gender diversity and ethnic diversity. Diversity makes, makes for better outcomes, okay? How does it make sense in a world full of diversity to treat everybody the same? Why manage a sharp, high performer the same as a low-performing, non-team player? Imagine him. Well, I'm going to make it worse. Delta is not only a low performer. He's a pain in the butt to work with, and people don't like him. Would we be okay with managing everybody the same and therefore ending up with Alpha gradually trending toward the middle and, and maybe Delta trending toward the middle as well? By that thinking, wouldn't we therefore want to have no high-margin products we'd only want products that are in the median and if in fact one of them started getting better we should probably uninvest in that one invest in one that was lagging behind right look we're not saying when people bring up fairness folks we do have an obligation to retain people no question retention and fairness are often when i hear the arguments that they're they're mentioned together but let's be clear Nobody wants to keep Delta more than an effective manager. Nobody. The ineffective manager wants to be busy doing it. The effective manager wants to be effective doing it. Do not for a moment assume that the manager who spends lots of extra time about on Delta cares more about Delta than the professional manager who makes a more careful consideration and chooses to spend additional marginal time with Alpha where the output keeps the company profitable and a profitable company is more likely to be able to have more time to save the Deltas of the world than an unprofitable company. Look, if you think about it, saying it differently, something we already said, We don't want to keep Delta at the expense of negatively impacting Alpha, Bravo, or Charlie. Okay, we don't. But spending time with Alpha doesn't automatically mean that Delta won't improve. It just doesn't mean that, okay? We expect Delta to improve because we treat Delta as a professional, and professionals feel an obligation to meet standards. And we're going to give Delta time, as you'll see when we talk about it in step four, And look, frankly, there are far too many managers who aren't telling their directs clearly that they are below the line. We've already talked about that, right? And too many managers that aren't developing your relationships with them, which makes an enormous difference in terms of your ability to help them improve. Folks, let me say that again. Your relationship with each one of your directs gives you one of the biggest levers you have in terms of spending time with them. If you spend time developing a relationship with Delta, it will take you less time to help him improve and get him above the line than it would some other manager who simply is frantically trying at the last minute to save somebody. Okay, there are too many managers not developing relationships. There are too many managers not giving feedback, performance feedback about how people are doing. All of this not being done by a manager who says, I need to spend a lot of time on Delta is like a store manager saying to me, you never know when we're not going to get a shipment of new products in. So let's order a lot of extra product this month. And then at the end of the month, he complains he's not profitable and he has a lot of spoilage. Spending time with Delta when you haven't done the other hard work of being a manager is wasteful both tactically and strategically tactically for you with your team and therefore indirectly strategically with the organization. It has spending time with Delta has all kinds of negative impacts. And frankly, it often doesn't work if you're a manager without a relationship with somebody and without a plan on how to coach them. The conventional wisdom is built on addressing a problem that is created by the very man, very behavior. The manager is trying to fix more time doing the wrong thing only makes the longer term problem worse.
0: Yeah. You know, that fairness thing, it, it, it strikes me a little bit. Uh, I don't think a lot of managers realize that when they spend a lot of extra time trying to save one, you know, out of fear yeah. or, or fairness or lack of experience, whatever, they're sending <laughs> an interesting no. message to others, right? If you do well, I'm going to ignore you. <laughs> and if you do poorly, you're going to get a lot of my time. <laughs> okay, that's, that's a good message. Talking about fairness.
1: Yeah. Spending time on Delta sends a message to Alpha, that you took her for granted. Now, you might say, I didn't mean that. But remember, folks, communication is what the listener does. In this case, communication is what the watcher does. Do not assume that a top performer thinks of that as a lack of interference. They see it as you spending time on the squeaky wheel, and they see you not seeing all the things they're doing and not getting credit for them. And I'm not saying they're needy. I'm saying they expect for their performance to be noted, good or bad. You're spending a lot of time noting D performance. Why aren't you noticing Alpha's performance? You can't if you don't have a relationship. You can't if you're spending an inordinate amount of time on Delta. And by the way, let's make it even worse. A lot of studies show this. Bravo and Charlie notice too. We promise they're grumbling about it underneath their breath. And grumbling lowers performance. Okay.
0: Out of Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, and Delta, what does…
1: The average manager pick and why well look if we when we ask at conferences you get it you get a wide range but the two big the two big vote getters are alpha and delta yep and the average manager in our experience chooses delta they choose to say if i've got free time you know i'm going to give it to delta because i'm worried because i'm afraid because i'm fearful that if he doesn't make it i will be the one left holding the bag they don't actually say it that way, but that's that's where the fear comes from. Right? Yeah, exactly. It's fear, right? Yeah.
0: That's that's it. It's out of fear they pick, Delta. Yeah. Not because of some calculation in terms of what's the best place to spend their marginal time. It's because right. of fear, the fear of failure.
1: Yeah. And, and look, folks, we understand what it's like to have HR not ask you about your top performer and how you helped your top performer grow into who he or she is today and we know how it feels to have hr not ask what they can do to help you develop more of them. I mean, in all my years, I've never had an hr person saying, "I'm paying attention. I'm really creating a relationship with this one manager. He produces top performers and I want to know what it is he does." In fact, I was just writing in a in a things I think I think uh note to all of our subscribers, all, all, all the people who are individual licensees get a weekly note from me about stuff I'm thinking that may not make it into a cast, but is of interest to me. And I read an article in, in Fortune recently, um, Ann Rhodes, the former chief people officer of, of JetBlue and Southwest Airlines, who now has her own consulting firm, I think it's called People Inc. And she was asked, Give us an example of something you've done. She said, well, we went in and studied a particular hospital client and we paid attention to who the best people were at some jobs and we drilled down into what it was that made them good at their jobs and then we hired for those behaviors and retention or turnover went from high double digits down into single digits. Well, okay, that's focusing on what's good, not trying to eliminate what's bad, not saying where are our mistakes and let's let's avoid those. Let's not worry about avoiding mistakes. Let's just go after the people who are successful with HR. And look, folks, no offense to HR, I'd be happy to have an HR person write me a note and say, this is what we do. Here's how we pay attention to managers who are really good, who produce top performers, And this is what we do to share what they do with other managers so that other managers can create more top performers. But they don't do that. And we know what that's like uh, when HR doesn't ask you, hey, how can we help you develop more top performers? Far too many HR people. And again, I don't mean to be digging on HR because there are senior executives who do this too. Far too many folks assume that the best performer is that way because of his or her individual ability, and they assume that poor performer, Delta, is not being helped enough by the manager. That literally, failure is the manager's fault, but success is the individual achiever's result responsibility exactly
0: the other explanation i hear often is i don't need to spend a lot of time with alpha like the last thing i want to do is overmanage her right let
1: her alone let her get home runs why i don't want to get in her way yeah exactly but look hr and other executives and other people who don't really know you or your team are wrong about this they are. We know it's easy to leave Alpha alone. It's, we know that the avoidance of consequences causes you to focus on Delta. But, but this is wrong thinking. Everybody focuses on the wink links. They focus on who causes complaints. And look, oftentimes, people at corporate or people in HR or people in ER or people in OD want everybody to be happy, um, which oh, irritates me enormously. That's how we get cruise directors. They manage by exception. They literally look for the problems and go spend time on the problems. And they don't want to go talk directly to the it's individual. It's wrong exception, though, because Alpha's an exception, too. <laughs> exceptionally good. Exactly. You're right. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. In fact, that's exactly right. Literally, the it's just like the word feedback has negative connotations when, in fact, feedback is both good and bad. Exception is bad, right? And Whereas the word exceptional and exceptionally did exceptionally well, people rarely say did exceptionally poorly, Right. Right. Let's go back to the HR because sometimes uh, folks think we're
0: beating up on HR, but HR exists no, for yeah. a reason, and this is and one of the reasons HR exists is because there are thousands of managers every day all over the wor- world walking in and saying, "Look, I've had enough with this guy with Delta. I'm firing him. Right? I'm firing him." So it's no surprise they have a jaded view of managers. They're responding to the environment where managers aren't doing their job and then walk in and do
1: something stupid. Yeah. And the urge toward peremptory firing, well, just I'm going to pull the trigger. In fact, that, that urge is what causes manager all over the world to say, you can't fire anybody around here. And trust me, what I just said made complete sense. The urge toward firing on short notice without documentation, without a plan, without an effort to save somebody who the company already has a great deal invested invest in is what actually causes, it's the first step in a chain of events that causes managers to end up saying you can't fire anybody around here. Look, here's what happens. Managers managers come in, they don't know how to help Delta. They're scared about Delta. They deal with Delta for a while. They do their best to try to help him, but frankly, they know that Delta is still responsible for his or her individual performance. In fact, Delta is, of course, the manager is too, but the man, the manager would say, "Well, Delta's responsible. He's an adult. He's responsible for himself. He's not doing the job. And I've been telling him he's not doing the job." And of course, Anytime a manager makes a broad statement like that, I've been telling him he's not doing the job. Well, what specifically did you say? When did you say it? How often did you say it? And what examples did you use? Well, you know, I've just been telling him he's not been doing well. Okay. What specifically did you say? Well, like I said, I've been telling him he's not doing well. Yeah. The presentation sucked. (laughs) Hey, thanks. That's helpful. Thanks. Yeah. Give me a quote. And and, well, I sit down and I say, you know, there's some things we need to work on here. That's not telling somebody they're doing terrible because you could say that to a top performer. But look, if managers come in, they want to fire Delta, right? HR says, why? What's the history? What have we, and frankly, as the manager, that means you, done to help? Where's the documentation? And the manager storms out and says, you can't fire anybody around here right and exactly. that's just crap that's just balderdash i call it balderdash it's just not it's just not so effective managers fire people all the time i mean oh, i'm not talking once a month but it happens every day the world over hr helps them do it why how because effective managers have spent time trying to help delta marginally okay because they've done that they have plenty of performance information about delta's failure They have plenty of records. And by the way, folks, those records don't have to be fancy of the time they've spent. They have notes of conversation, lists of feedback. They have status of coaching plans that they put somebody on. Effective managers spend time, which either saves Delta, which is great, yay, or gives that effective manager chapter and verse for why the amount of time required for improvement of Delta is not justified. And when you do that, HR, sadly, but frankly, in a way, eagerly helps Delta resign or gives him a package or allows the manager to terminate him for, for performance. I mean, that, that's, that's how it happens, folks. And HR is doing the organization a service by saying, where's your stuff? You don't got it. And if you don't have the stuff, then you're not doing your job. And just because you can pull the trigger doesn't mean pulling the trigger is the ethical thing to do. And look, all that said, it's okay. We know you're still thinking, I'm afraid I got to worry about Delta. We're afraid you're going to, you're afraid you're going to get in trouble for not spending more time with Delta. We understand. One danger of this is that Delta will complain about failing and not getting enough help. And here's what happened, folks. Imagine that Delta does that. You know, I'm really trying, but I, you know, maybe Delta fibs, fibs a little bit or fudges the truth a little bit and says, no, I'm really trying, but I'm not getting the kind of help I would have expected. And of course, in Delta's mind, the amount of help he expects is four hours a day, every day, which by the way, is dumb and you can't do that. And what does HR want to know? How much time you've been spending with Delta. And, and folks, that proves it. We've been right all along. It's time that matters. Now, look, actually, that's that's an unfair comparison because the time we're talking about and the time HR wants you to spend are probably two different things. But nevertheless, we promise if you follow our guidance in our last point, you won't have any problem with the question, how much time are you spending with Delta?
0: Right. Let's go, I think, to a legitimate fear that managers have because many managers know that they're evaluated on retention, right? And I need to spend time on Delta because I need to retain him. If I, if I lose him, either he quits or he's been fired. Yeah, yeah. I get
1: dinged on that. Yeah, and look, we start every conference, every effective manager conference with a, some basic background about how the trinity was derived. And we teach something that, frankly, gets a lot of people scribbling early on. Maybe it's just first thing in the morning, and so they're paying attention. <laughs> you know, they haven't had an earthquake yet, like we did in New Jersey. But, but it would be, it's simple. You say there are two things managers responsible for. Results whatever the organization expects you to achieve and retention, keeping the people that you have. And I we always get a question about, oh, well, you only mean retention of good people. I say, no, right now, all we're gonna do is say retention. The problem is the idea that oh, well, I'm going to be evaluated on retention, so therefore I can't lose Delta. That's a false god to be idolizing. Yeah, folks, you are responsible for retaining folks, but only within the context of your limited resources, the primary one being time. Going back to our aside earlier about HR and firing, you surely aren't expected to retain everyone if HR is going to help you fire someone. If they'll allow that to happen, then clearly they'll tolerate some amount of non-retention if, in fact, you can justify it. The issue is the average manager doesn't know how to help Delta. That's the real rub of this whole problem. You have to retain Delta, but you can't retain Delta if he doesn't improve, and you don't know how to help him improve, so you panic. And maybe to some degree, a little bit justified, geez, why did they give me this responsibility and then not teach me how to do it? Well, that's why Manager Jules is here. So, frankly, what a lot of us do is we overcorrect. We spend lots of time, and unfortunately, it's really inefficient time, with Delta. And again, we understand why you do it. It is wrong you probably didn't know that and that's okay. And this cast is about getting you on the path of doing the right thing and spending time with Delta, but spending more of your marginal time with Alpha because that's where your performance comes from. Right. Okay. So we're not going to spend our marginal
0: time with Delta. We're going to spend it with Alpha,
1: your A player. Absolutely. The right answer to the manager tools coaching dilemma is to spend time marginally with your A player alpha in this case. She's where you spend your extra time. Now, the key word marginal and extra, we're going to come back to that. The most effective managers that we know organize for and spend time based upon their strengths and their team's strengths. That means investing more time in top performers than in your marginal or poor performers. At the end of a large enough sample, you will have spent, the effective manager will have spent more time with alpha than he spent with delta. If you have a choice to spend an extra half hour with someone each week, you spend it with alpha. Did you say what you meant to say? What did I say? If you have a choice to spend an extra half hour with somebody each week, you spend it with alpha. Is that what you think I said? Yeah. Spend more time with your top performers than your weaker performers. Yeah, that's right. Look, think about it, folks. That's what you want your CEO to do, right? He would be spending time not with your marginal or smaller customers, but rather with your biggest customers. And folks, don't please let's not do the whole customer thing with directs or customers and so on. That doesn't work. If you doubt it. Yeah, I've never it. heard
0: that before, but
1: Oh yeah, yeah oh, sure good. you have. Managers say, Oh, I'm serving my directs, and so they're my customers. They're the consumers of my managerial proud okay okay. no yeah yeah and then said look there there are books that have been written to say everybody internally in your company is a customer of yours which is just so not helpful because it implies an equality that just doesn't exist but anyway if you doubt this trust us this is what the best ceos do they spend a lot of time with customers they spend the most time with their biggest customers think about it this way what's a one percent improvement in your biggest customer's business with your firm worth to your firm Versus a 1% improvement of a small customer's business. Right. Assuming that you can do that and time is relatively equal – then by definition, you would spend more time where you could get more results and all this stuff fits together. And the key to, that makes it fit, the thing that maybe many of you are struggling uh, I, after listening to us talk for years about one-on-ones and spending time developing relationships, remember we said marginally, the concept at work here that changes everything is that word marginally. Folks, we're not saying, we're not saying don't spend time with Delta. You have to spend time with Delta. You do. We recommend you have a one-on-one with Delta. We recommend, if you're coaching Delta, and we recommend you do, that if it goes to a 45-minute one-on-one because you really want to, fine, do so. But the issue is is that so many of you are listening are saying, Oh, marginally time with alpha, then I don't spend any time with delta? Our guidance is only problematic for the vast majority of you who are listening who don't do one-on-ones, who don't spend any focus and effective time with their directs individually. Okay? So, we're saying that the manager tools manager, the manager tools certified manager says – I'm already spending time with each of my directs each week, which, by the way, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. It only takes a half an hour a week to really start developing a relationship over a period of time. You can't rush it, and you can't fake it. Hey, by the way, folks,
0: you can't complain to us that you don't have enough time to no. do one-on-ones <laughs> with your folks <laughs> and, and then ding us for suggesting that you don't spend marginal time with
1: your deltas. That, that Okay. I never even thought of it that way. That's right. Oh, they're going well, to box us in. Us. Yeah. So look, you've got to spend time with everybody. And if you're spending a half an hour a week, I think I'm probably stealing from later in the cast, but I'm going to be really blunt here, folks. If you're spending half an hour a week with every one of your directs and the last 10 or 15 minutes of that time with Delta is spent talking about his or her performance and how you can help him be better and what the what, what the plan is and whether or not he's on track and expecting him to keep track of it because it's his self-improvement, not yours. You don't have to do the administration of a coaching plan for one of your directs. They're adults. They can do it themselves. If you're spending that half an hour each week, no HR person worth a nickel is going to stand in your way after you spend three or four or five months, half an hour each week talking to them about their performance, giving them lots of feedback and developing a relationship with them. Right. Because that's more than 99 out of 100 managers who ultimately end up firing somebody. Yeah. Imagine so, HR. Look, he, so here, here's the thing. Mike's the manager and I come to Mike and I say, or uh, Mike's the HR person and he comes to me and says, well, Mark, you're thinking about getting rid of this guy, this, this uh, Joe over here and Joe's a, seems like a good guy. He's come to complain to us. Um, you know, can you tell me something? I said, sure, Mike, um, listen, here, here's my file on Joe. I sit down with Joe every week. We meet for a half an hour. He gets 15 minutes, even 20 minutes. If he wants it in the last 10 to 15 minutes, I talk about where I think his performance is and what I think he needs to do better. Every once in a while, we have a chat uh, that goes a little long, but generally the fundamental focus for Joe, because Joe's my Delta and Joe's a low performer. My focus is on getting his performance better. Here are my notes. Do you say about every week? Every, every week. We, I've not missed in six months. Really? Every week, half an hour, I sit down with him privately. The phone doesn't, the phone rings and the email comes in, but I don't answer him. You can ask Joe, you can ask it, you can ask... Robin, my my a my a player, my alpha. She'll tell you every week like clockwork. And it's, it's and it's on your it's on your calendar. You you can you prove can to me go that you're doing look at my calendar right now. Yeah, you, look. You don't even have to look at my calendar. Here's the one-on-one forms that I spent with Joe. And here, if you'll see on the right-hand side on the form, it says notes I took about his performance and so on. On the left-hand side is the coaching we're doing on his issues of not meeting his quality numbers. I mean, he's got the quantity numbers, but his quality numbers are terrible. And uh, he says he's doing his checks, but, but clearly he's doing him wrong. I've, I've sent him some training. I've met with him. I've gone from normally with month. I, everybody else gets a monthly report. Joe, I have somebody in accounting in uh operations accounting who is giving me taking time. I, you know, yeah, it costs me a case of beer every month and I get a weekly report on Joe. Please don't tell anybody that because then everybody's going to want weekly reporting, even though most managers wouldn't know what to do with it anyway. And Joe looks at a weekly data-driven report about what his quality standards are. And I ask him every week, what are you doing to change that? What do we need to do to help you change that? And how are you working on the meeting with the other people who are better at it than you and so on? How long have you been doing this? Four months. Four months. Every week? Half an hour.
0: You're talking to him about before
1: my conversation with joe go long so it's scheduled for 30 minutes we're never done at 30 minutes 35 is more likely and sometimes it goes 45 minutes which is embarrassing i should be able to get it done in 30 minutes but i don't and frankly i will not mike i'm telling you right now i will not hang my head If God forbid, I can't turn Joe around. I mean, I'll hang my head if I, if I have to let him go, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to be embarrassed when people like you or my boss's boss come down and say, what are we doing about Joe? And look, Joe's got friends at senior, at senior levels, but I'm going to be able to look at anybody and say, here's what I did. If you think I should have saved him fine, then, then, okay, I didn't do my best, but I know I'm doing my best. Here it is. Here's what I'm doing every week. Here are the notes. Here's what we're talking about. Well, look, Mark. If you if you have any
0: problems with any senior execs here about what you're doing with this guy, then you just you just come get me. And really, Mike, I'll, I'll share the
1: fact. really HR <laughs> you're, HR HR is going to defend seen me around here. So HR is going to defend me against senior people. That's yeah, great. I, think, I know you're yeah, powerful. absolutely, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And you know, I, I I heard a rumor that the thing you came down to ask me about, Mike. Was about all the extra time I'm spending with Robin that, that she's my top performer. That somebody complained that Joe's struggling and I'm spending time with Robin. I'll be happy to explain that to you as well. And but the bottom no, line I, I is, she's my no, top performer. I don't performer. think I have
0: to go there. <laughs> I think okay, I'm good enough.
1: That's not even in the show notes, but that was good. Look, okay. A lot of you who are listening who are not doing one on ones, I'm telling you now, if you're not doing one on ones, if you're not meeting with your folks weekly, you're not developing a good enough relationship. And you're saying, well, but Mark, I do spend time with all my people. I already spend time with my folks, little bits and pieces, all day, every day. I have to tell you, folks, that's just one of the stupidest things that managers, I, I've gotten so inured to it, it's, it's amazing. We've probably addressed this a thousand times. We'll be doing it forever. And okay, fine. Spending time with your directs, quote, all the time, unquote, or every day, quote, unquote, is not what you think it is. Those brief conversations... Look, even if you're polite enough to start by asking how they are, how their kids are, how the weekend was, those conversations, those brief introductory pleasantries are not relationship building. Those things are lost on your directs. You are not creating a relationship or being given credit for spending time with your people if you chat with them throughout the day casually before you talk about work. This is a huge misunderstanding among 90% of managers. You don't get credit for spending time with your folks to allow you to marginally invest in A, alpha, if in fact Delta Joe, in this case, in my example, is failing. Okay. You've got to spend time with all of them focused intent time with the desire to build a relationship because relationships make communication more effective and communication is the most frequent thing managers do. You've got to spend time in a focused way on a regular basis that you can show as an investment. And if you want to be political about it, yeah. So you have a defensible position to HR or other senior people saying, Hey, I give everybody on my team a half an hour a week and we talk about performance every week. If it needs to be, and I've got a plan for Delta and here's what it is. And if you give that. Baseline that basal time to everyone that allows you to invest the really valuable time whether people want or will, are willing to admit or not the, the really valuable time with your top performers and it may not be about making her better at a job it may be about getting her ready for a promotion so she can affect, infect more people with her uh, abilities and performance and enthusiasm and, and, and leadership. And so really the question becomes, how do you spend time with each of your team, not everybody, but each person individually, enough to satisfy a reasonable need for investment addressing Delta's need that Delta needs to be invested in, while also leaving time for marginally investing in Alpha? And the answer, of course, is our one-on-ones. We're not going to talk about one-on-ones in detail here. We've got, what, 20 or 30 casts about one-on-ones. If you're not doing one-on-ones now, folks, I'm going to say it again. The most important thing you'll ever learn from Mark Mark Horseman and Mike Ozan at Manager Tools is do one-on-ones every week. And, Mike, we're the best people in the world to learn from because we're not naturally people persons, but we know what works. And the single biggest lever you have with all of your folks improving each of their individual performances is developing a more involved, more professional more direct relationship with each one of them. Absolutely. No doubt about it. You do one-on-ones, you give consistent feedback, you follow the the rollout model that we've put out before. You give consistent feedback to each team member, which is a form of performance. uh, It's performance communications, which of course reduces the chances you'll have a Delta. You give lots of it. It only takes 10 seconds to do positive or negative. You coach your team members during one-on-ones. If you're not coaching each team member, okay, fine. It's a lot to do, but absolutely no question you've got to be coaching Delta during your one-on-one with him, okay? Taking advantage of every opportunity to give negative feedback to Delta is part of your professional obligation. And by the way, we don't mean that there's not any positive feedback for Delta either. There can be. If Delta shows some improvement, praise it. Give positive feedback so that he'll do more of it. Yeah, but then I can't fire him just, you know, I've given him positive oh, feedback. Gosh. <laughs>
0: I'm sorry. Yeah. If I that if that's true then the contrapositive,
1: back. if that's true then the contrapositive is true that that you can't promote somebody who made a mistake in the last 6 months, right? That doesn't, you know, you know. Yeah. Look, uh, every CEO I know has been fired at one point in his or her career. And folks, it's simple. If you invest in one-on-ones, which can include time for the coaching you'll need to do with Delta and everybody else, You will satisfy all needs your organization has to see you doing everything necessary within the context of time, within the context of time as a limited resource, right, to help Delta become productive. This leaves you free to invest yet still more time beyond your one-on-ones in Alpha. And that's why Alpha is the answer to how you spend your marginal time. And that's with your top performer.
0: I was wondering, is a half an hour each week, is it enough for Delta Should I be spending half an hour with
1: everybody but Delta and maybe an hour? Is a half an hour enough with Delta? Yeah, it's enough. It's absolutely enough. And by the way, we're not suggesting a half an hour in order to get HR off
0: of our backs. No, no, no. But I'm doing one-on-ones with – I'm doing one-on-ones. I have five people. I'm spending half an hour with each of them.
1: But maybe Delta, I should be spending an hour one-on-one. That's my question. Half an hour is absolutely enough. Would I fault anybody for spending an hour? No, absolutely not. The problem is if you spend an hour with Delta and you don't invest any more time in Alpha, that's the wrong move.
0: Right. Yeah, that's right. That's that's the wrong definition. We're talking about a margin. That's the marginal use of our time. Yep. We're talking about a marginal half an hour. You're spending half an hour with everybody, which is enough, right? Yeah. If you have an extra 30 minutes, where would you choose to spend it? Where's the best place to invest that time? And it's not with Delta,
1: right? Yeah, and if you don't have a plan to do it and you spend a great deal of time wasted with Delta, you end up not saving Delta and you end up not having time with Alpha, let alone Bravo and Charlie. And then even if you do save Delta, you lose more performance than you gain by essentially taking your eye off of where the performance really comes from, which is no offense to Delta, it's from Alpha.
0: Right, the opportunity cost of not spending time with Alpha is greater than the benefit you'll probably get with Delta
1: with that 30 minutes, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So we shared a scenario, alpha, bravo, Charlie, and Delta. The answer is alpha. The conventional wisdom is completely wrong for all kinds of reasons. The average manager, we understand chooses Delta based on fear, but it's the wrong answer. And what we recommend is spending time with everybody and then marginally spending more time with your top performers. Most managers, folks react with fear, fear of the consequences, including to their reputation, frankly, fear of the consequences of a direct performing below standards. We respect that you overreact You're not strategic with your time. You're not tactically efficient with your planning. HR, frankly, gets a bad rap for defending the company against those managers who get frustrated and then suddenly want to fire Delta. So, folks, don't choose based on fear. Build from strength. Invest reasonably in all of your team, including Delta, who is a human soul and deserves your time as well. And when you have some extra time, invest in your best performing asset like your CEO does, which in this case is Ms. Alpha. Good. All right, my friend. Thanks. Thanks, partner. All right. Bye.
0: Thanks, everyone. That's it. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you all next week. Meantime, have a great one. So long.